0: Hello, my name's Adrian Goldberg. Welcome to the latest episode of the Celtic Boys Club Scandal Podcast. This time, Michelle Gray gives her response to the Scottish Football Association's report into historic child sex abuse in the sport, otherwise known as the Independent Review. Michelle is the sister of Andrew Gray, who was abused by former Celtic Boys Club coach Jim Torbett, who has been convicted twice for offences against young players, first in 1998 and again in 2018. Andrew lost his life in a tragic accident in Australia in 2017, where he'd gone to visit his childhood friend Ian Kerr. This after the Scottish FA had cut off psychological support to him, which they had offered when Andrew first disclosed his abuse just a few months earlier. The review is about Scottish football as a whole, not just Celtic. It makes 95 recommendations to improve safeguarding and protect young players in the future, measures which have been broadly welcomed. But from the point of view of this podcast, it has a couple of troubling aspects. In respect of victims like Andrew, who is referred to as Y in the review, and Torbit, who is referred to as C, it says, and I'm quoting here, It is possible that a number of people in Scottish football may have had some suspicion regarding Torbett's alleged activities at the time, including former managers at Celtic Boys Club, a former senior manager and a former board member at Celtic FC at the time, and a group of young players at Celtic Boys Club of unknown number. The review concludes that when the first suspicions arose as a result of allegations, some appropriate action was taken by Celtic Boys Club, However, the review is unable to confirm whether this matter was reported to the authorities at the time. The review finds it concerning that Torbett was permitted to return to Celtic Boys Club in another capacity after only a few years. So that's from the review. Now my question is, who were the people at Celtic? Who knew? I know this was all a long time ago, but are any of them still involved in the game? Was it appropriate, as the review suggests, to simply dismiss Torbit in 1974 and give him a glowing farewell reference in the Celtic View newspaper, which is what happened, given what he was suspected of? And don't Celtic have a responsibility for what happened later, when, as the review acknowledges, Torbit was rehired by Celtic Boys Club, allowing him access to boys like Andrew Gray? At another point, the review says it's simply not on for football clubs to try to distance themselves from community-based feeder clubs with whom they had a shared identity. But that's precisely what Celtic have done with Celtic Boys Club, calling them a separate entity. So who at Celtic today should take responsibility for that? The review proposes no remedy for survivors and families like the Greys who feel they have been badly let down on this point over many years. Worse still for Michelle, the review suggests that her father, Andrew Gray Sr, pushed suspicions about Talbot to the back of his mind because of his son's dream of becoming a professional footballer. As you'll hear, this allegation has caused great hurt and anger. Michelle also tells me that she can't understand why the review says that Andrew was unable to provide a detailed accounting person of what had happened to him before he tragically died. First, though, I asked her how important the review was to her and her family. For us,
1: it was immensely important, Adrian. You know, there had been a lot of time, emotion, tears spent with the SFE inquiry team after Andrew died, explaining our experience of the abuse and and what it did to Andrew. And we were so anxious about seeing Andrew's testimony, because we know that he had spoken to the the SFA prior to the the inquiry team. He'd spoken to the SFA on numerous occasions. He'd been over to Hamden at least twice and met with the previous chief executive, Stuart Reagan. We also had, at the time, I think it was February 2017, after the disclosed, we also had the child protection officer and a colleague over at Andrew's flat. And mum and I were at that meeting and it was extremely emotional. There was lots of notes taken, Adrian. So we know that there was a lot of first-hand experience that Andrew had shared with them. And then we were under the impression that the rest of the testimony would have been some information from mum and I and from Andrew's friend, Dean. The most important thing was, was first and foremost to make sure that the recommendations that were going to be put in place would ensure that children were, were much safer and would never experience what Andrew and many other wee boys did. But to read what we did as a family it has completely broken us. My dad did not push any suspicions to the back of his mind so that Andrew could become a professional footballer. My dad asked on several occasions to Andrew, you know, why does he want to spend so much time with all the years? Why is he taking us to the horse racing? Why is he want to take us to McDonald's? Now, you cannot force a child to say, I am being sexually abused. All you can do is ask, be there to support them, question. And these are the things that we told the SMFA inquiry team, I mean, I met with Mark Cooper and his colleague first off in February 2018. They then followed up and asked if my mum would be happy to meet with them. I spoke to mum and although we were very, very apprehensive and my mum more so than me because of how Andrew had been treated in the months after his disclosure and prior to his death, I, I suppose I convinced her that after the meeting that I had with him that these were two people that had told me they were completely independent and they had Andrew's best interests at heart and would make sure that his voice was heard. So I took my mum along to the second meeting. Can I just add as well, both of these meetings that, that we had were conducted in foyer areas of hotels. Never were we taken to a private area to discuss something so sensitive and so emotional. And I remember, you know, it was something my mum mentioned after we, we met with them the second time. Why could they not have had a, a private area arranged for us, Michelle? That I, I didn't feel comfortable speaking, you know, about such a horrific experience in a, a hotel foyer area. So as I say, you know, she was very apprehensive, but I convinced her, you know, let's go along. And honestly, we shared our deepest, darkest secrets with these guys But not one of those secrets was that my dad knew and pushed it to the back of his mind. We shared things that we'd never spoke to anyone about before, Um, you know, as a family that we had tried to manage in our our family environment of Andrew's behaviour and the outbursts and and what it did to us, aging, And to see the amount of information we gave them, I gave them all Andrew's medical reports, I shared information, obviously, that Andrew had shared with me in relation to his meetings with the SFA prior to him leaving to go to Australia. None of that was included. The other thing that that really upset us also was in the report, they had said that Andrew was allegedly abused by Torbett. I think they said in the car and in the, the workplace. Now, that's not an allegation and that's not allegedly. It was proven in the High Court in Glasgow that Jim Torbett sexually abused Andrew in his car, in his flat, and in the Trophy Centre.
0: For people who haven't read the report, let me just clarify this then, that your brother Andrew was young person Y, and Jim Torbett, his abuser, was referenced simply as C in the SFA's final report. And the quote from the report says, we understood from family members that Y's father, that's Andrew's father, your dad, grew suspicious about C, Torbit, spending so much time with his son because of Wise's dream of becoming a professional footballer and the position of C, Torbit, to help his son, he pushed his concerns to the back of his mind. Now, from what you've said, your dad obviously had some level of concern about the the amount of time that Torbit was spending with Andrew but it's this implication that your father essentially suspected directly that abuse was going on and chose to ignore those suspicions because he wanted Andrew to succeed as a professional footballer that's the the implication that you find so hurtful and harmful to your family.
1: Absolutely I didn't you know I'm sure dad wasn't the only parent that asked questions. And when I say dad asked questions about Andrew, you know, why is he want to spend so much time with you? It wasn't just about Andrew. It was, why is he want to spend so much time with the boys for the the club after he's finished coaching? Why is he want to take you to McDonald's? Why is he want to take you to dog racing tournaments and things? So to single out my father is absolutely disgraceful. It's been pretty obvious to us since Andrew disclosed, and what we've researched and found out, that a number of people, not just suspicions, knew they had been given information. Obviously, I've spoke to you about it before. That it was the investigation into Jim Torbett two years before Andrew joined, and those allegations were dismissed, and it was basically put down to scurrilous allegations. So. It's pretty obvious to me and many, many other people out there that these men were, were known within youth football and within governing bodies. But that report has came out and has basically said no one within SFA or within grassroots football knew about this but my father did and they've apportioned blame on my father. It's wrong and it's, for me it's victim blaming. How can they turn that around? And, and say that my daddy knew. My mum reiterated it. We told them my dad would have killed Jim Torbett with his bare hands if he had known that he'd even touched a hair on Andrew's head. Why was that not in the report?
0: And the report that you're alluding to was an internal report which the Celtic View newspaper reported on in 1986, saying that Celtic's board of directors had investigated allegations and had found them to be unsubstantiated. So the idea that people within Celtic Football Club were unaware of these rumours holds no water.
1: Exactly, Eugene. I honestly can't put any words how devastated an abandoned mum and I feel, having been through what we went through. What was what was the point in us having spent the, the time that we did and the other victims and survivors? I mean, I've spoken to, to some of them and, you know, they feel exactly the same as us. It's a complete whitewash. It's great that they're putting all those recommendations in place for the future of children, but what are they doing for these brave, brave men that had the courage and bravery to speak out in their families? I don't know if if I I told you, but we were under the impression that the the report wouldn't be published for another good few months. Now, I was sat at my work desk on Wednesday morning and received an email from the SFA to tell me that the report would be published at 12 o'clock on Thursday, which was just over 24 hours later. We were told that we had to log on to the Scottish FA website to read it. And I was offered if I wanted a copy of it, a hard copy to to get in touch with them and they'd make sure that a hard copy was sent out to me after it had been publicised. Not just me, sorry, mum and I. Now, the question is, and I did ask it at some point along this horrific journey that we've been on, when will we get to see Andrew's testimony? I'm I'm sure there was a point in this where I was told we'll get to see it before it it was published. Fact of the matter is, Adrian... I, nor my mother, nor any other victim, survivor, family member got to see anything within that report before it was put out there for the world to see. Now, if the SFA inquiry team had come to us and say, OK, this is what we have taken from the meetings, would you say this is a correct picture, an accurate picture on what happened to Andrew and, and your family? Under no circumstances <laughs> would we have allowed what they printed to go out there under no circumstances? Go back to it again and say, you know, mum and I expressed our absolute disgust in how Andrew was treated by the SFA after his disclosure. And initially, you know, as I say, he was over at Hamden and they offered him counselling. And he was three sessions into that counselling and it was May 2017. And and they said to him at that point that they were really sorry, but they couldn't continue. It wasn't just counselling. I think it was um, psychotherapists that they had to, to withdraw because they didn't have the funding. Now, that was... Andrew attempted to take his life after that because he felt completely abandoned by it. He was still doing statements with police at that point, so he knew that he had to kind of carry on with that part of it. And obviously, it was after him when he finished doing the, the, the statements that he did to police in July, end of June, July time that we agreed that. There was he was getting no help here whatsoever. And we had to get him over to Australia where Ian, you know, was going to look after him. And, and Andrew wanted to go as well. But I can not emphasise, and we emphasised this to the SFA inquiry team as well, if the help had been put in place for Andrew and if they had followed through with what they said, Andrew would never have been in Australia. Andrew would have been here getting the love and support from his family that he got anyway, but he would also have had the professional help that he needed to get through the statement side of things, to just the absolute horror of what he'd locked away for nearly 40 years, you know, being able to speak about again. But nobody, nobody was interested in helping him.
0: Ian, we should point out, is his childhood friend who Andrew visited and where he sadly died through a tragic accident when he was over in Australia. Celtic are praised in the SFA report for having made... An apology, and since the report was published, Celtic have issued this statement. They say the club recognises the courage of all those who came forward and contributed to this review. The abuse of young people is an abhorrent crime, which has unfortunately affected many organisations within Scottish football, indeed, Scottish society as a whole. The club has publicly expressed its sincere sympathy, regret, and sorrow to all those affected across Scottish football, including at Celtic Football Club and Celtic Boys Club. Something which the Independent Review acknowledged and welcomed. Today, we reiterate this apology. Since the publication of the interim report, Celtic has been working with the Scottish FA and Scottish football as a whole to review these recommendations and to strive to make Scottish football a safer place for our young people. It says the club remains fully committed to continuing to prioritise welfare and safeguarding protections for our young people, including working with the Scottish FA in respect of the recommendations in this report. What do you make of that?
1: I couldn't even say what I make of it, Adrian. Honestly, I couldn't. They have hidden behind so many investigations and so many statements. Now they need to face up to what has been on here and help every single person that has been affected by this. You know, we're not just talking about one or two or three perpetrators from Celtic and Celtic Boys Club. Now, come on, guys, it's time that that you took some sort of responsibility. And it's also time that the SFA forced these clubs into the apologies and the support that they they, they should have been been given to, to these men years ago when they spoke out. It's also high time the Scottish Government got involved. And as you know, Mum and I visited Holyrood and had a face-to-face meeting with the then Sports Minister in February 2019. I have a follow-up letter from that appointment, and at that point he told me that because it was a, a, a an issue for the SFA and they were, you know, they were doing the inquiry, that unfortunately the Scottish Government couldn't get involved. However, once the final publication of the report was was put out there, then they'd be more than happy to speak to us about it, engage with us about it, and most importantly, that Humza Yousaf, who was it, who is and was then the Justice Secretary, would be happy to discuss it with me. Now, I don't think that this is a something that a Sports Minister for Scotland should be um, commenting or discussing, and. That was the case here in in Scotland this week at Holyrood. It was a sports minister that was asked for her thoughts on the SFA report. This is a justice matter, not a sports matter. So it's high time that these three organisations and the other clubs, I have to emphasise that, and the other clubs involved here in Scotland to do what's right, because it's long overdue.
0: Michelle Gray. Now, I did contact the Scottish Football Association for comment to see if they wanted to react to what Michelle was saying. They said they would pass on my request to the Independent Review. Since when, I've heard nothing. They've told other journalists they maintain the report was an accurate reflection of their discussions. Ian Kerr, Andrew Gray's boyhood friend in Australia, who also gave evidence to the Independent Review, has backed up Michelle's account What was written is categorically not true and has done nothing but add to the heartache of Andrew's friends and family, he told the Daily Record. I'm Adrian Goldberg. Thanks to everyone who's contributed to the GoFundMe page for my film about the Celtic Boys Club scandal. There'll be more developments soon. Meanwhile, thanks for listening.